very special guest host at our Mid-South Moments, Phil Segal, who grew up in the Mid-South area and attended many matches in Oklahoma City. Welcome to Mid-South Moments. Thank you, Stephen. This is going to be great. I'm looking forward to this. No, I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you. Thank you for reaching out. So talk to me about some of your sort of earliest memories watching watching wrestling. Okay. Well, uh, certainly as a, a child in, in the single digits around seven or eight, you catch your first glimpses. This would be uh, in the late 60s, early 70s. Um, so even before predating uh, the Mid-South Territory, um, promoter Leroy McGurk had something called the Tri-State Area. Um, not to be confused with the Tri-State Wrestling or there's another something tri-state that one of your guest hosts was talking about. Yeah, the Philadelphia one that predated yeah. ECW. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Leroy McGurk had been a, a wrestler and he got blinded in an accident. And I learned all this years later reading Bill Watts's uh, biography in his autobiography. But uh, you know, we'd heard the name name Leroy McGurk, didn't know who he was. But uh, so Bill Watts uh, was a wrestler in the, in the tri-state area, which is basically Oklahoma. Uh, some of Texas, some Arkansas kind of thing. Um, so when my first memories of wrestling would be maybe on a very early Saturday morning or a late Saturday night on a television station, and it was all just at that time uh, TV tapings in studio. Um, and, you know, you'd watch Saturday morning cartoons, and they would come on, on, you know, we had the three channels like everybody had back then. One would be maybe square dancing, you know, one might be roller derby and one might be wrestling, you know, wow. so uh, <clears throat> and um, so not a lot of choices there. So in in Saturday mornings in Oklahoma City, I would see what I believe at this time was produced pretty much by the uh, local news stations. And uh, again, this is predating Mid-South. And then my grandparents from both sides all lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma. OK, so when they traveled to there. It was a whole other deal. Now, that's just back then. The drive time was about three hours. You know, now it's about an hour and a half. But as a kid, you know, two and a half hour drive seemed like forever. You know, yes. So we'd see others. And and I don't remember really much who the wrestlers were. I know they had some big names come and go through there. But it was pretty much like the, the gentleman that was the, the TV announcer in my tri-state area here in Oklahoma City. He was also the local radio DJ, you know, and 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 a newscaster, you know. So um, these guys had multiple hats. Well, then, as I'd start to travel to, to Tulsa, I'd start seeing other territories. Every once in a while, that you might catch something from out of Kansas City. But as a very young child, very personal, I remember my grandparents up late on a Saturday night in Tulsa watching world-class championship wrestling. Oh, interesting. So that would have been... Sorry, carry on. No, I was going to say this is going to be, you know, probably early 70s. Uh, And then along comes our our Mid-South. And um, now you got to realize in Oklahoma, football is king. American football, university football is king. We have no professional sports teams. If you want to see professional... Football, American football, you got to drive three hours down to Dallas, uh, you know, watch the Dallas Cowboys. So um, it's very integral, but but Bill Watts actually was a member of one of the most famous Oklahoma football teams, 
And so there's a lot of connection there with Jim Ross and later on Dr. Dusty Williams and these things. So I started seeing these different territories and realized this wrestling is bigger than I thought. But I'd see world class. If I got to go to Tulsa, I'd see world class because Tulsa, Oklahoma got cable television before Oklahoma City did. Right. Okay. Even back then, when you got cable television, you really only were getting then 10, 12, 15 channels to start. So what sort so, of time period would that have been when, you know, the first time you can remember getting, getting cable? It seems like we first got cable about 1976 or 77. Oh, so that's so, I don't know if you heard, I, I spoke to a, a British guy a few weeks ago, that's so long before it was prevalent here in the UK. Sure, um, sure. Probably 14 or 15 years before we really right. had anything like that here. So that's really interesting. I don't know yeah, why. Our, it doesn't make any sense, really, if you think about it. But, yeah, that's, that's interesting. But, but, but like I said, Tulsa would have wrestling that I couldn't see here. So in the summer, I might go spend a few weeks with my grandparents or cousins, and I would try to hop on and see these different wrestling territories. And, and I've listened to all your podcasts, and, I, and, I, and I, when they would share talent, I heard you ask someone earlier in one of your podcasts, do you think they were just um, – Sharing those the videos, those vignettes of coming in wrestlers, or did they just copy it, you know, and use yes. it? Yes, yeah. And, and I, I do believe, from based on what everything I've read and stuff, that they were legitimately, purposely allowing each other to do that, and they would trade. Yeah. They would trade talent. They would loan talent. When somebody lost a lose relief town match, now I know, well, it's because he was going to go work a three-month program somewhere else. You know, yeah, I mean, and, that, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Because because if that if those videos are out there, because you see a lot of Memphis stuff. I think there's a lot of Mid South Coliseum in in um in some of the video package. In fact, one of the ones we're going to talk about later on. But I think there's there's there must have been a clear. And, and I guess a lot of these guys were NWA affiliated, so it made sense yeah. for them to share share. And see that. And what's interesting is they called that the Mid South Coliseum, but that had nothing to do with Bill Watts' Mid South. Yeah, Coliseum. exactly. Which is obviously a confusing point. For, right. for someone right. that doesn't know, that, know these areas all that well. Right. So as a young child, I'd started seeing these different, I'd, I'd catch what I could in Oklahoma City. Uh, you know, if I get Tulsa, but then we got cable television. And so um, what I would watch every week would be, you know, an hour of Mid-South, uh, an hour of World Class, and then we got Georgia Championship Wrestling. Wow. Now, Occasionally, we'd see little vignettes of something from, you know, uh, Mid-Atlantic Territory or something. But knowing that there were other territories there that we didn't really get to see just made it all seem so much bigger, especially with the NWA. Yeah. I can, I can remember about 73 or 74, I was running with one of my older friends, uh, you know, even when I'm like 12 and he's maybe 14 or 15 because he had several brothers in there. But he could not legally drive yet, but... He was a big wrestling fan, and he gave me some magazines dated 1973, 1974. I still have those. That's fantastic, yeah. I still have those. And so he took me to some matches. And back then, again, before Mid-South, we're going to, like, the Oklahoma City Stockyards or one of the uh, rundown buildings at the Oklahoma City Fairgrounds, where it's just folding chairs, and it was dirty, and it stunk, and everybody's smoking. And one of my earliest memories, I was in... Now, mind you, everybody in most of my family, if they saw me watching wrestling, they gave you a hard time. Well, that's. I was going to ask you that. No, your yeah. family were into it. No, none of my family, not not an older brother, not an older sister. They didn't. And then parents, you know, would uh, father. No, that's you know. And then go to Tulsa. 
like I said, most of my aunts and uncles, except for my mother's father and her mother. And I watched them. It came on so late at night. I was supposed to be in bed. But I get up and I go in there and watch. And I can remember them, if they saw one of the Von Erich boys get cheated out of a match, they would get so mad, disgusted, they'd turn the television off and go to bed. You know. So I saw them buy into it. Then when um, one of my older friends took me to some of the first matches they ever attended, and I'm thinking, everybody tells me how fake this stuff is. And, and he's telling me, he said, okay, now, now we're going, you're going to see the good guys come out of that door, but the bad guys are coming out of that door. And I'm already thinking to myself, well, if they know if they're good and bad guys, is this kind of, you know, we didn't have, you know, we knew none of the terms. We knew none yeah. of the, 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 the vocabulary, heels and faces. So. But I'm telling you, when that crowd of all those adults were bought in and screaming and hollering, I said, well, they all believe it's real. This has got to be real, you know. Well, then uh, Big Cat Ernie Ladd got on the tear. He was chasing somebody around the ring. And we were standing on these folding chairs, and he came by, and he still seems to be taller than we are. And he's hollering at the crowd. He said, somebody pours a beer on Ernie Ladd's head. Well, he got, I mean... He made it look like he's coming after, but he could have broke us all in half and caught us easily, you know, but, yeah. but he made it look like, you know, so he went back in the ring. So that was one of my very earliest memories. And, and then, you know, watching my grandparents buy into it. And so I started, you know, enjoying it. And then uh, by the time I'm about the time I'm ready to graduate high school, mid South wrestling, what you're watching right now, that's in full swing. And that's as big as it gets. And I'm telling you, we thought, the stuff up there in New York City was – that must be the fake stuff they're talking about. You know, that's yeah, cheesy, yeah. that's hokey, because we'd see very so little was, of it. That was a thing. That was a thing as in – I've heard Dave Meltzer talk about this, actually, in terms of some of the stuff that he saw in San Francisco. And he was like, actually, as is the as is the real wrestling, but the others is not. So was that was that really a thing with yours, that actually le- the legitimacy of the contest was was like, actually, as is legit sports, sportsman athletes, whereas – the New York guys are, are playing at it kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of it. And, and certainly as a younger teen or, you know, 11 or 12, that's really what we thought. And a lot of it had to do with how well maybe Mid-South. Now that I look back, because a few years ago, I found them all on on YouTube. You know, before yeah. I had the WWE, I, I had the WWE Network for a little bit, but I didn't get to see Mid-South on there. But on YouTube, I can watch. It starts like an episode about 117 through, you know, almost 300. And I mean, after 40 years of not seeing Mid-South Wrestling, but remember, I, I, I could tell people what's coming next, because I remember some of that, because sometimes we'd get to see the show twice, um, sometimes it would air twice, and that may be some, of the, maybe some confusion on the dates, too. Yeah, I've, I've, I think you probably heard me talk about this. I, yes. I think, so it was, was it Saturdays, was it, that this was prim- primarily on? Because some yeah, of the but, dates are off, aren't they? But it seems like it, we might have saw it all on a Saturday morning and then maybe a Sunday morning, too, or repeat, or yeah. Sunday night, or maybe later in the week. But I think they all re-aired. So some of the shows I'd seen twice 40 years ago. But when I found them on YouTube four or five years ago, I've binge-watched all of them. Yeah, that's uh, fantastic. Yeah. I, mean, uh, I, I, I find, uh, we'll, we'll jump around a bit here, but I, I've probably watched... 18 or 19 episodes now, as i explained the, re- the reason i sort of started this is because i, I thought this was uh, being from the uk you know classic 
grew up in the WF in the late 80s, early 90s, bit of WCW when NWO happened. Just very, very, you know, normal uh, wrestling fan that was sort of that grew up here. And that's that's pretty much the what most of sort of my contemporaries and people that I know that like wrestling grew up with. But Mid-South, you've got all these characters that ended up as huge stars in the WWF shortly thereafter. And this is a really interesting time. So in the 18 and 19 episodes I've seen so far, it's so easily, so easy to watch. It's real episodic wrestling. And I can't remember which match it was a few weeks ago. Um, but I, I found, I think it was like a five or six minute match. I wish I could remember who it was between. One of the main events, maybe Buddy Landell was in it. Buddy Landell and Nanny Popo it was. And I found myself, I'm like, crikey, I'm yeah. really invested in who wins this match from, you know, February yes. 1984. And I'm like, in I can't, like, this is, this is, bloody hell, this is, this is wrestling. This is the way it should be. Like, it, it, but I think you become a bit desensitized, especially it's better now because there's so much good wrestling out there. But you become a bit desensitized to what good wrestling is because WWE has kind of gone so far away from, you know, episodic. You what you care who wins a match, proper promos that actually sound like human beings rather than sort of ultra robotic. And I think that's why I'm enjoying it so much. Sorry, um, Phil, I, I overseas. So back on to sort of your, your around around this sort of time, so around gradu- graduation for you. Which I guess is, is that eighteen in the states? I, I presume. Yeah, in the states, yeah. it's it's seventeen and a half, eighteen and a half, right in there. Yeah, like, yeah. Okay, so, um, but that roster at that time, you could put Bill Watts' roster up had more talent than any probably any other territory at any t- given time. Mm. You know, but what you're talking about that wrestling so invested back then. It was about the wrestling. It wasn't so much about interviews and backstage stuff, and uh, but even the mid cards and the lower cards, they would do things in those matches to pull you in to make you think it's about the wrestling. This is a real, this is a, a real fight. This is the real deal. You yeah. know, uh, there's not you won't see too many uh, squash matches. Uh, but you will see sometimes some undercards, mid-card guys have long, good matches, not 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 a 90-second match. But there'll be times, I think it added legitimacy to the product uh, in Mid-South when you'd see a, a, a mid-card guy going against somebody that they're pushing, but he'd still get an offense going. Oh, and yeah, would make, absolutely. And you, and you would make think, he might win. He might pull this out. And he almost would, you know. So that added a lot. I think uh, that was part of the genius of Bill Watts in putting the, the, the package together, uh, making you think that uh, all these guys are pretty good and some are some just win because they cheat, you know. So uh, and then one of the things that uh, we talking about the uh, using the different videos like you talked about, they're showing the Rock and Roll Express for several weeks. You're seeing videos of the Rock and Roll Express. What that made us think back then Okay, they're coming from some other territory, which I I never saw Memphis wrestling. I didn't get to be a part of that. I saw it all now, but I didn't get to see Memphis wrestling. I uh, didn't get to see much of the Mid-Atlantic. But when they'd show these things, okay, these guys are stars somewhere. Yes. I see the crowd going nuts, but they're coming here. And then when they would come here, they say, we're here because this is where the best is. Well, we believe that, you know. Um so we would say, okay, they've got these videos. These guys are superstars where they're coming, but they're coming here. They were champions there, but now they're coming here. So I, we I would... Think, uh, yeah, sorry, Dan. No, go ahead. I was, I was just going to say, um, I know that the the commentary alternates a little bit between um, Boyd Pierce and, 
and Bill Watson. I actually really miss. I've struggled a little bit with Bill Watson at the start because he he is um, he's almost like a narrator. But yeah. after two or three episodes, I really got into his commentary, and I found myself. I said this before. I found myself, you know, occasionally in wrestling or any or any or any any kind of drama where there's you know plot devices. You think, well, I want that. I, I'm wondering about that, and I want that explained. All of a sudden, more than once, a few times, Bill Watts has explained, you know, why is a junkyard dog in the TV title tournament when he's the North American champion? Why is this right. happening? Why is that happening? And Watts does that. And and the thing I like when when Jim Ross is on commentary is, and I, I think this is this is been a real key strength of Jim Ross throughout his, his whole career is whatever he's commentating on if you, he makes you, he makes the viewer feel like this is the most important thing you could possibly be watching I, I presume as time goes sure. on you see more Jim Ross in the commentary role oh yes yeah he gets him more and more and you'll notice it when you get in the future episodes when uh, Bill Watts brings in uh, one of his sons to do he brings Eric in, yeah uh, and he's doing commentary you will see. Uh, I think Watts realizes that of the four of them, Jim Ross is the best, and he puts him. And oh, it's Joel. It's Joel Watts. I'm sorry. It's Joel Witness. Okay. Joel? Yeah. Okay. So when they pair off, when they do one team will do one week, another team will do another week. I noticed back then, and I think I, I remember seeing it. I think they put the weaker announcer with Jim Ross. And then Boyd Pierce and 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 Bill Watts would be together. See, uh, okay. So, yeah. but yeah, Bill Watts uh, quite quite chatty, but he is just trying to build a legitimacy, and he did such a good job. But he would explain everything. He said you have to, you know, it's got to have a good story, and you got to yeah. understand it, and and it brings people up to speed. If you missed a week, you still got caught up. You know. Yeah, I, I, Joe, I really like it now. I, I mean, I, he missed a couple of a couple of the recent episodes. Um, actually, just going back and stuff. Do you know? Do you know what their schedule was like? Do you know how many episodes they take at a time at the in Shreveport? Um, was it was it probably four or, or perhaps more? You know, um, it had to. To me, it appeared. At the, I, to answer your question, I don't know, but I can guess that the the tapings were usually right after right before the matches that you had to go buy tickets to yeah because there are times when i would attend a match at oklahoma city and it seems like the next week they were talking about it right okay it was pretty close there wasn't there wasn't too much and that's when some of the times when i go into to different territories and stuff it's when you start and i'm getting ahead of myself here but if you paid attention you could start realizing that some of these guys are doing the same show in a different territory, same yes. match, same show. Yeah. And you you know, and, and so really, and, and this is for another subject and another time, maybe I always blame Vince McMahon because everybody else did for killing the territories, mm. but cable television had as much to do with it as anything. Yeah, I, th- I think so. And I, th- I think, the thing is that there's a few instances, and I, and I still don't feel like I know enough about Mid South to make a de- determination and what I think could have happened with them. And I'm still sort of learning about this this territory and this promotion. But certainly, um, World Class probably had a chance to do something. Maybe um, obviously the AWA didn't put the belt on Hogan, and they perhaps had a chance. And we had the it was fresh off the Rocky Three, right, right, so, right. 
you've got you've got a few instances right. there where people didn't quite make the right move. And I think it was just a bit of a perfect storm. It was the MTV generation, and you're right. If if you've got if you, if your television landscape is you you've got um big production values, and actually what they did, and it's only really happened in wrestling twice. Um, re- realistically, if you think if you think about it, and I, and I and I'm talking modern modern day wrestling, not not territorial, but in the modern advent of wrestling, there's only really been two boom periods. And both of those have been off the back of really larger-than-life characters, and that's Hulk Hogan. Then you've got Steve Austin, plus you've got The Rock in there, which is an unbelievable number two. And he and he was a number two to Steve Austin. There's no doubt about that. The Rock is obviously the biggest, you know, biggest star that's ever come out of wrestling now. Sure. But he, he was number two to sure. Steve Austin. So I think you, I think that was a bit of a moment in time. And, and I think without Hogan and without um, you know all the things that were going on there, I think wrestling. Maybe you could you could have had. I mean, I, I think there's probably. I mean, there's room for probably a couple, maybe two or three promotions in the states to make money, but it's just difficult to um, really quantify how they do that. I suppose, and it's interesting at the moment, obviously, with the AEW stuff and trying try to do a national promotion. Um, and I think now it's very different to what it was 15, 20 years ago because there's so much money in live television. Whereas back then, that's oh, why ECW sure. went under. That's Absolutely. why WWE yeah, so it's a totally different landscape. But now, something like a Mid South. I mean, crikey, if you, if you had an hour a week of wrestling and you maybe had a, like a, a two-hour live special, um, you know, once every six weeks or every couple of months, and they were doing, I don't know, half a million a million, that'd probably get a TV deal now. I mean, that that's that would be smashing what New Japan did on Access. So you know, it's just it's a different time, I suppose, isn't it? And um, going back to that time around sort of eighteen. So were you? How often would you would you sort of attend live events around that time? So well, um, in the background, one of my cats is going absolutely nuts in the background, which is uh, quite rude, given that I'm trying to record a podcast <laughs> at the same time. Inconsiderate. <laughs> yeah. Put the cat on Skype. I'll talk to him. Uh, <laughs> um, so and so now I'm watching now as far as the we'll, we'll we'll come to the matches and but so I'm getting now that we got RK. I'm getting Georgia Championship and then increased to three hours a week of Georgia Championship wrestling. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. So what we had then was we had two hours on Saturday, which was you know a two hours. Some people I think in the country are getting one hour. And then you can tell when the second hour kicked in, he was. Some people were just getting to join. Uh, so that was, but, the, was that six oh five Saturday slot on TBS then the Georgia Championship Wrestling at that point. Yeah, now I, uh, I was watching the Georgia Championship before they started going to the 05s. But oh, okay, yeah, I, I do remember the announcement to the 05. And I tell you what, that was a big deal for everybody, not even just wrestling fans. You know, hey, I can check a show, and if I don't like it, I'm going to see what's on TBS. It was a big deal. Yeah. It was very, un- it was extremely unconventional going to the 05s because they did everything. Is that, a, is that still a thing now on TBS? No, 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 that hadn't happened in decades. No, no. Yeah. Um, so we had two hours on Saturday of Georgia Championship Wrestling and usually an hour mid south. And then uh, maybe Saturday night was W uh, World Class. Yeah, but then on Sunday, um, Georgia Championship Wrestling had a slightly different package and it was usually Freddie. What was his name? Freddie King, or had a different. It, usually, it was doing like highlights of the previous week and stuff. But they would answer. They would have uh, fans write in. He would read fan mail. Uh, and I'll never forget. I'm a young boy, and this old man that I go to church with, who have never hardly ever spoken to. We're in Oklahoma, and they're reading this gentleman's name with initials that he goes by, from so and so from Oklahoma. 
Oklahoma, you know, I thought, oh my goodness, here's another adult who likes cha- like oh, Georgia Championship right, Wrestling. Yeah. But it was over, it was in Georgia, they're reading his letter, and we're both there in the, actually the same small town in Yukon, Oklahoma, just outside of uh, Oklahoma City. So I do get to start going to some matches. Uh, when they got to going to the Myriad Convention Center, that was kind of a big deal because uh, this building um, was unlike all the little dumps we'd been in uh, at the Myriad Convention Center. I mean, Elvis had performed at the Myriad. Um, Kiss, the rock group Chris, Eagles, that's where all the, you know, back when back when rock groups could fill an entire stadium, you know. Yeah. Uh, if they would go there, they'd go to the Myriad. Um, so seeing matches there, and I'd see, you know, you'd see the empty seats around the rafters and thought, but, you know, all these so- seats on the floor, if they were up, this is a sellout. It looks like a sellout, you know, and, and I might, might have been exaggerating to myself some, but a couple of the most interesting ones is I got a little older and then I got married at a young age, uh, got married just right about 20. And uh, my wife was working with the woman whose husband and her were both greatly big fans. And she hadn't been, and I was trying to get her to watch. So then the four of us just started going to matches oh, that's right. That's right. together. Yeah going to matches, and a couple of the biggest events we went to back then, now I've been to some, in the early 2000s, some Raw and WWE tapings that, you know, we come to Oklahoma City back then, but uh, back then, a couple of the biggest things we went to was on uh, New Year's Eve. We did a couple of of New Year's Eves in a row. I saw, uh, and here's one of the things you start realizing, they're doing these same programs in other places. I saw a coal miners glove match with Hacksaw Dugan. But then when Bill Watts recapped it, he's talking about it being in Tulsa, and he showed clips of that same match in Tulsa. Ah, so they did. Okay, I attended that match in Oklahoma. Yeah. So, and one of the uh, uh, one of the things about that match I remember is it was Dugan and or Duggan. Um, no, I'm happy. I with guess it. I like Dugan. So you please stick with Dugan. That's that's it. That's it. I find that I find, Dugan, I find Dugan. incredibly good. Yeah, I, I love that. So I, I can't stop saying it now. One of my one of my English friends when he heard me on the, I just started saying Dugan, and he said to me, I thought it was Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I was like, yeah, but it's 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 it's, it's Dugan. It's always going to be Dugan for me now. So. Hey, for a decade, it, for a decade it was Dugan. You know, yeah. uh, uh, it's just what whoever whatever you saw first. And, and exactly, and, exactly. So um, he was in a coal miners glove match. And for in my mind, I believe it was Hercules Fernandez. Okay. Uh, but whoever it was, and it might have been Darso. It, it probably was Darso, actually. No matter my thing, but it probably was Crusher Darso. They were. I was sitting on uh, like if I'm sitting on the northwest corner, the pole is opposite me in the southeast corner. That makes okay, sense. Okay, right. At a corner, Dugan starts climbing up that pole. Darso runs to jump at him and grab at him, and I accidentally he pants Dugan. Oh, damn. <laughs> I'm telling you now. Fortunately, his back was to me, right? Uh, but we got the full moon. The <laughs> other side, obviously, by their expressions, they got the full money. Oh, so, wow! So you full pants him, crikey! I'm telling you now, he yeah. grabbed him quick, and it was probably worse in the back because that's where it's coming down from. But that's one thing that sticks out of your mind. Wow! Yeah. Do you think that was planned, or, or I can't imagine they would have done that. I don't. I don't. I, there's so many. Yeah, back in in Midwest Oklahoma, 
Bible buckle of the Bible Belt. I'm mm. telling you. Um, I, I'm I'm telling you, Stephen. Here in Oklahoma, in the 70s, you could not buy a, a drink of hard liquor in the bar. Really? Wow. You had the phrase BYOB, bring your own bottle. That came out of, of people circumventing the law. You could not go in and buy it, but if you carried yours in, they could pour it for you. So would you better get beer in a bar, but you couldn't get like a whiskey or yes, something? Sir. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. sir. Uh, we didn't have any type of casinos, paramedical horse racing. It was not legal to get a tattoo in Oklahoma until a decade ago. Really? This was the wow, last known place in the universe. People celebrated on their 18th birthday by driving down to Dallas, Texas to get a tattoo. Crikey, that's that's. I mean, especially how prevalent tattoos are these days. That's 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 quite that's quite. Matt, I, I guess I guess we forget that. Um, I guess conservatives probably maybe maybe one word for it. But I, I think that um, people often forget how how diverse you know the states is from stuff stuff like that from. You know, all yes. the stuff in like the LA and New York, and then you've got you know very you know very conservative areas as well. And I think that's probably makes one of the reasons why it's such a fantastic place because you have got so much diversity. Really, oh, it's extremely all four directions. It's something yeah. different, uh, usually for the better. You can find something good in all of it. You know, yeah, you exactly. So, uh, but yeah, in Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, just a, a big for for a period of time. Oklahoma City was the largest city in the world land-wise. Mm. So Jacksonville, Florida, Annexing Territory, although there was only about a half million people here at that time, you could literally drive 30 minutes and still be in Oklahoma City. Mm. Uh, so we didn't have big areas where people congregated at that time. There wasn't a really massive downtown area. There was a little bit for workers. So going to Dallas... And, and seeing matches or going to Dallas just to go to their party district was a big deal. So in Oklahoma, back to what we were talking about, in Oklahoma, no, they wouldn't plan on anybody showing their butt. No, no, no yeah. No. yeah. No, and not Bill Watts. And Bill Watts was conservative Christian uh, as yeah. well, as, as I read in his, in his autobiography. So no, they would, that was total accident. It was quite shocking. At that time, I also saw one of the matches where uh, the junkyard dog uh, got revenge by getting out the yellow paint and painting, you know, getting somebody else's back. Oh yeah. really? How interesting! Yeah, because yeah, that was that was one of the early episodes of that paint. So that's around that time as well. And he got he got his own back because they they did keep the heels pretty strong around that. Well, in fact, throughout, but particularly towards the start, the early episodes that I watched, which which I like actually. I think the heels should be kept strong. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. That's what uh, you know, getting that heat, you know, and stuff. So, uh, but you know, people legitimately hated Jim Cornette. I mean, yeah. um. And I don't know if you've heard some of the stories, but uh, people pulling guns. And a yeah. junkyard dog was, uh, I guess you've heard the story about when he was pulling the act like he was blind and he was at a match and he saw somebody pull a gun. Have you heard these interviews and things? Uh, oh, I don't know. I have heard. Oh, that rings a bell, but I'm not sure I have any. Go, go ahead if you want to, in terms of that one. Well, there's an angle where um, the dog got blinded. Uh, it's probably by hair cream or, you know, something. You know, was this uh, pre, was this pre or post? Was this pre what we're, we're the era we're in at the moment, or was it afterwards? This, this is this is just a little bit after this. You're probably uh, this okay, is Miss South a little bit later, if I recall, if my memory serves correct. Uh, I don't think you can say spoilers. Whatever we are, thirty or forty years later. Yeah, I can't yeah, remember exactly. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you does. how the match. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you how the match ends, but so um, 
junkyard dog had an angle where he was blind. Okay, somebody blinded him. They all tell. I've listened to interviews with Bill Watts now and others. People were literally sending money into him because they didn't think he could work. And he talked about out of work. Bill Watts says he paid the dog for a month to stay in his house and not come out because he didn't want anybody to know. They were so serious on their angles. And I don't know if you've heard all these stories about maintaining kayfabe back then. Yeah, yeah. And I um, also, like, he, would, he would fire someone if they lost a fight in a bar or something. Absolutely. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Uh, so, or get seen traveling together or, you know, they would literally book different hotel rooms so people wouldn't see them together, you know. So, dog was blinded. He didn't even see. He paid him full salary for a month. Don't come out of your house. And But people took pity on him and sent him well it, it was yeah it was the uh it was uh the free birds that had blinded him yeah it was the free birds i'm pretty sure mm. they had their hair cream that would make people go bald and stuff and so they're in the I believe they're in the the superdome as the story goes um hayes is in the ring somebody's wrestling for junkyard dog hey uh, junkyard dog's outside he can see through his bandages and someone from the crowd hops up with a gun and says, don't worry, dog, I'll take care of it. That's, that's and, nice. a dog, and, and they said Junkyard Dog was really had the thing. I think Michael Hayes tells the story. He's saying, do I save Michael Hayes' life or do I break, you know, and break kayfabe or, or do I let this go on, mm. you know? And then they, some somebody there in the crowd, something happened. And I, I believe shots were fired uh, and they got the guy out of there, but nobody got hurt. So well, I guess in the off you would you wouldn't have metal detectors and stuff like you get at a big arena now so you, you could just get in oh no oh no. yeah. yeah there was nothing nothing like that absolutely not and everybody i'm from a state everybody carries the gun all the time oh yeah um, of course. so i forget I, joe i forget you know i forget I, I shouldn't forget that but also it's so different here i do forget obviously that's that's the thing as well so yeah quite, I, I imagine there's probably quite a lot of instances where there were people in in crowds with with weapons when i was in when i was in high when i was when I was in high school, guys would, on their pick, we all drove pickup trucks in the back of the window. You'd have a gun rack, and guys would display their, their shotguns. And I remember them saying, hey, got a new gun. The teacher would go out, and they'd look at their gun. It was no big, nobody got hurt. Nobody yeah, got shot. Yeah. Yeah. But but here and still to this day, uh, we've got the, 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 the loosest laws on that kind of stuff. So, yeah, in the Superdome, uh, crowd of 30,000, I bet you there's 50. 15,000 guns in there <laughs> you know i'm just saying so <laughs> that is yeah. crazy isn't it yeah that is so I, I obviously i'm i'm um i'm uh i'm nearly 40 but we we haven't had you can't you couldn't even buy a handgun legally here for at least 25 years and no you know it's just, just not a thing right, so I, I guess i'm i'm on the younger side but it would probably have been different here in like the 40s and 50s and 60s but yeah that's just a bit difficult for me to even sort of um I'm not sure rationalize the right word, but you know what I mean? Like even, even imagine, but I suppose that's right, isn't it? That's just, that's just the way, that's your, your, your guys way of life, I suppose. So yeah, just, just, you're raised with that. And now almost everybody's a, um, a lot of folks are, are hunters. I'm not a hunter, but, um, but they legitimately will, um, the deer population does get out of control. We're, we've got a lot of, a lot of prairie and a lot of flat land. And, and, and so, guys legitimately get their years worth of, of meat you know yeah, from, from yeah. Hunting, you know? but that's 
that's for that's another that's another podcast. That's, that's We're a, a, a gun hunting podcast that we can do. That yeah, time. <laughs> but but yeah, so so the 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 great uh, depths they'd go to to maintain kayfabe, you know. But I saw junkyard dog, you know, paint some folks. But again, I saw them recap that, and it was at another location. So, uh, you know, we're figuring things out. And so I started getting interested in watching to see how they were um, pulling off these moves that hurting each other. Then I started realizing, okay, every time a guy gets body slammed, before the guy picks him up, he's kind of doing a cartwheel and putting his hand on the, the guy that's getting slammed, puts his hands on the guy's knee and turns over. You know, So we start right. watching these things. So you were so really was, interested in the mechanics of how this I how really this worked, was. Right? I was interested even at a young age, the business side of it. I said, okay, if they're doing this, if this, I didn't know the work, didn't know the term work, but hey, if this is a work, I like it. And I want to know how to do it. And I want to know how to fool in all these people. So yeah. I can remember being a 18, 19 year old teen and somebody says wrestling's fake. I said, let me show you the figure four leg lock. Yeah, nice. Yeah. yeah. And he put them on it. And it I can make, make grown boys cry. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. sir. I can make older boys cry. And and But they didn't realize you're not going to get that on somebody. I said, now let me do this real easy and real slow because I don't want to hurt you. I mean, this well, thing I couldn't is, put the. Yeah, I mean, the thing for me, and I'd be interested in what your thoughts People say that to me, and, and, and they still say it to me now. And it's just like. I, my response to them usually is, "Do you not? Do you watch any fiction on television? What, what do you mean? Do you watch? Yeah. Did you watch Game of Thrones? Yeah. Do you watch? There's yeah. a, there's a soap, there's soap opera here that's popular, EastEnders, but like for like Days of Your Life, Days of Our Lives or something in the states. Do you watch that? Yeah. Well, that is that fake. What do you mean? Well, it's, it's scripted, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that's what wrestling is, and I'm not I'm not bothered about it because at its at its height is. Let me give you another analogy. Yeah. Uh, some of the greatest actors in the world are actors on a live stage that's harder that's harder than television take it a step further Stephen. four-sided stage yeah you're not you're not the audience sitting back looking at something that that's easily controlled by people with curtains and and technicians and and obvious lighting and sound it is more difficult to do it on stage than television. It is more difficult to do it in a four-sided ring than on a one-sided stage. Yeah, I completely agree. It's just never been a, never been a thing for me. But it's interesting that you were you were, you were so sort of so interested in sort of the mechanics. So it, it, around that sort of mid-80s time, so were you, were you going to quite a lot of shows for that for that time, um, and predominantly I guess mid-south around that time. But then did you get get down to Dallas and see some world class around those those sort of days as well? Uh, just just a couple of times, and I got to take a, a, a photograph of my own camera of, of David Von Erich. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Just cherish that. Uh, so I became a huge Von Erich fan. I mean, I was a, I was a big fan of Mr. Wrestling number two when he was in Georgia, and a lot of the other stars there, and then when he's in Miss South, obviously. Um, but I uh, I really really and to this day I've had many lengthy conversations with Kevin over Twitter. Uh, I've talked to Kevin quite a few times. Oh, great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, and when David first passed, we couldn't believe it. Now, you got to realize at this time, we weren't too far many years removed from everybody really thinking that maybe Elvis faked his death because he wanted out of the public life. Okay. Yes. Yeah. When they were trying to tell me David Von Erich died, I said, is this real? And I didn't know the term kayfabe, obviously. But in my mind, I was trying to determine, did he really die? Yeah. Is this some storyline they're going to try to turn around? Can't be. That would be too cruel. 
or did he fake his own death because he did not want to be a Von Erich anymore? He wanted to go back to whatever life that he would have had without being. Because those guys were such absolute stars, especially in Texas. They couldn't go anywhere in public. They couldn't yeah. do anything. They legitimately could not walk down the mall in Christmas shop, you know. So uh, just it was devastating when, when, when David died. Just absolutely devastating. I, I remember yeah. um, D- uh, Dave Meltzer told the story. I, th- I can't remember what city he was in. He may have been in Dallas, but he was certainly in Texas working for a local paper when, and obviously doing the Observer as well. And he said that he went to the, uh, it was slightly odd in terms of, I think, because it was Japanese and uh, US time zones were different. So it was almost like the day, the day, like the day after the day after it happened, if that makes sense. Or the, the, yeah, okay. something like that. But he, he said he went, to, he went to a mall in the city where he was living and all the high school girls were in tears and all of the, the guys they were hanging around with were consoling them. And it was like the, the biggest thing you could possibly imagine when he, when he passed away. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I'm really sad because he he, he had a NWA title win in his future, didn't he? I think that's pretty well recognised. Um, and oh just, yeah, no, yeah. yeah, yeah, and and with with Fritz and and what he had going on, and I think all the all the promoters would have been happy to put the belt on him for, for yeah. a long while, you know. And uh, and speaking of belts and things like that, I had a thought when we were doing this. One of the things that I thought added reality to all this is when that champion, especially in my time, it was first Harley Race and then Ric Flair, uh, as they would win the title, they'd hold it for a long period of time. Yes. And if they dropped it, it wasn't very long. Of course, what they were doing now, they realized now that if you had a, an upcoming star in some territory, the champion comes in, let's say he goes to, well, he goes down to Dallas and, and, and Kerry beats Flair legitimately. Uh, without cheating, and three weeks later, Flair wins it back. Or race goes to Georgia, beats uh, Tommy Rich, beats him, uh, and then a week later, Harley cheats and gets it back. Mm. But those long reigns really made it more believable than than what I see, what I've seen going on. I don't really watch the product anymore. It's been early 2000s when I had some two young sons that were really into WWE and and the WWF, and I was, I, you know, the Rock years and the and the yeah. Uh, and uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and, and um, we went to some of those uh, matches here in Oklahoma. But that, you know, changing the title every week just cheapens it to me. Yeah, they, they don't do it as much in WWE now, but they, they were certainly, okay. the Steve Austin era was, 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 was pretty much the prime prime time for that, and, and probably the year or so before it became world champion. But they, they did... They did change it a lot, and it was and, and WCW was even worse, I think, during that time because they, they just would change it, especially during the dying couple of years. Uh, but I agree. I think the World Championship should be something that's that's um, not passed around, and it should be something that is um, you know special. And, and I think that is something that's missing. AEW actually, to be fair, are doing a pretty good job of that at the moment. But w, okay, w, okay, WWE is. Um, and I, I've I've not to skip away from it so much, but I'm I was a huge fan of of WWE for years or WFWE for years even to the point of travelling a lot in the States from the UK to go and see Wrestlemania's but they um, this yeah. year pretty much from the Raw after Wrestlemania I've barely watched which is which is pretty out of the ordinary but the re- main reason is because there's so much other good wrestling out there AEW and more than anything New Japan so it, it, the New Japan product is um, I don't even see much New Japan but it's so 
wrestling orientated because obviously there's not a huge amount of promo. Okay. there are some promos, okay. some yeah. english some japanese but the wrestling is so good and at such a different level and you've got every style from real hard hitting heavyweights to you know flying if that's your thing so whatever you, whatever you could potentially be into it's like i haven't got time to spend my life watching three hours of raw every week and just hating well that's true yeah. percent of it yeah right. so and i don't really right. know how anyone has that much time to work i mean that's why these these hour shows um like mid-south and like for me when i was growing up it was it was superstars it was an hour every week and you couldn't wait to watch the next the, the next one i think that's um these companies it left you want more for sure it always you always were wanting more you know it always left you wanting more uh and that's one thing in, in wcw something they did i thought was brilliant and they uh, of course they were the first to really get away from tv studio territory filming to filming their weekly show with what was going on down at the arena. Hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. Rather yeah. than having a, a TV studio product with 200 people, they were down at the Sportatorium. That was their that was their weekly TV show. Yeah, uh, and they would get the gates Marshall. there, wouldn't they? They'd sell that out quite a lot, wouldn't they? At the Sportatorium. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But on the, well, here's what always happened: <clears throat> almost every week, the big match would be going on. But the TV time is running out. In, in studio matches, and TV time runs out, the bell rings, and the show's over. There's no winner or whatever. Mm. In WCW, world-class championship wrestling, they say, folks, we'll just have to tell you next week who wins this match. You, you know, we got to yeah, yeah. come back and watch or buy a ticket and go watch. You know, so it, it, it really made you want to be there. I can tell you that. It really made you want to go down and see because you weren't going to see the last match in. Yeah, you want to see that main event. So, yeah. so going back to the eighties, what was what were your sort of favorite years of um of, of being a being a fan of of, mid, of of wrestling in general? And what were some of the sort of big big live events you went to around that time that really sort of stick out in your in your memory? Yeah, well, and, and of course the big it seemed like the to me it just and it may just been perception and not reality, but the fact that they were having matches at the Superdome in New Orleans, which was mm-hmm. the new big you know, the biggest room in the world at the time. You know, it was the fact that they could even get that to put on wrestling meant, hey, wrestling's a big deal. But they're in yeah. the, you know, I didn't know it was promotion, buying it, ripping it out or whatever. So I would go to the Myriad, which was, you know, uh, a very nice facility. Like I said, that's where we saw Elvis and, and other people at the Myriad. So we'd go to the convention center, but it always seemed like maybe the very best matches, well, maybe they were the ones you know, the most important matches, uh, the biggest title changes. Now, we had Ric Flair and everybody else come through. So I was a huge fan of Ric Flair and Mr. Wrestling mm-hmm. Number 2 and, and those guys. Um, the matches, I saw like the, the, the two biggest matches, I mean, I think it was two New Year's Eves in a row with this other couple was going to. And, and that did seem to, wow, you got to see the dog get his revenge, like I said, paint and yellow. Uh, yeah. And that kind of thing. Uh, but um, just... You know, did probably didn't. So, like I said, may, maybe went to those Mid South matches at the Myriad just fifteen or twenty times. Uh, but the, the the episodes that you're watching right now would have been the peak, I believe, for Mid South, and it was certainly the peak for me. But when Terry Taylor came in, took on the Russians. Um, so, sorry, Phil. I just, I just lost you. You've got an episode coming up that you um, haven't seen. There's an episode coming up that you're going to see uh, Dugan carry a two by four for the very first time. Uh, wow. 
right. The rock, and roll, yeah. the rock and Roll Express get their hair cut uh, in the ring by the Russians and, and get hung. And, and there's a stunt that's pulled on Jim Cornette that uh, you're going to see Boyd, Pierce, and, and Bill Watts laughing almost uncontrollably. Uh, so this was really uh, the peak. What you're at right now, that was my strongest memory. So the episodes you're watching right oh, here, 230, right. 233, So when you picked this episode, I said, yeah, I, I remember that. I mean, when this storyline of 2 and Magnum TA uh, breaking up here, you know, um, that was as, that was heart-wrenching, you know. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, we really thought, you know, it, it couldn't be was was – was two just trying to get the best out of Magnum TA or, you know, he said, let's get in the ring. Let's wrestle. Let's wrestle right now. And he said, I'm not going to wrestle you coach. He thought, man, is he making a mistake or is he not? You know? Yeah. Yeah. But those storylines are what, what you're at right now is my, my strongest memories uh, of wrestling as a kid growing up. Well, we'll, we'll definitely do. We'll definitely do this. Do this again, Phil, in, in, in maybe in a few weeks when we, we get a, get another uh, another episode in. Um, I just got one, one other one other question um, before we sort of move on to the actual episode. So I think you touched on this. Are you, are you kind of done with wrestling now? Is it more the classic stuff that you you tend to watch? Is there anything that sort of catches your eye when you're flicking through the flicking through the channels these days? Yeah, of course. The only thing I, re- yeah, I, I'm not really into the product right now, and it sounds like it's changed the past five years, and maybe I could. Um, here's kind of what started turning me off, and why I got off of it, and then why I got back into the early 2000s, why I did watch some. Um, it seemed like after Vince kind of took over everything, and all the wrestlers, it became one, you know, one company. But wrestlers that I admired and I liked, they would go there and they'd turn them into such a cartoon character that I couldn't respect. I thought Vince was punishing people. When when they turned Terry Taylor into the Red Rooster, couldn't take it. When they turned um, Kerry Von Erich into the Texas Tornado, I mean, that was okay. They had some respect for Kerry. Yeah. Even, even Dusty... Rhodes at the time I didn't realize Dusty Rhodes had been a promoter and a booker and all that he's all down for this but when he first went when I all first started going to the WWF at the time uh, they turned him into such cartoon characters and and did the story they showed um, Dusty uh, with his arms in a toilet and just covered in crap you know and just yeah yeah. well so it got now my children had just been born and it turned out all these cartoon characters and that might have been pretty smart of Vince because I think he's copying a business model that McDonald's did here in the United States. All of a sudden, McDonald's quit doing their regular advertising to adults. And everything in the commercials and everything at McDonald's became about children. The mm-hmm. kids' meals, the playgrounds, the commercials, the toys. And they got the kids hooked on it, and then they grew up on it, and they still liked it. And I think that's yeah. what Vince did. I think he copied that business model. That's interesting. I've not heard that before. That makes that makes complete sense. And the, and the thing that he was able to do is that the kids that were eight and you know what six to ten, eleven right. during Hulk Hogan were right. sixteen to twenty one during Steve Austin. Right. So that was the thing that he got them twice. But now right. the problem is now he can't get any. He can't get any of them. 
And yeah. actually, you, the people, yeah. Yeah, and I think I see the, the, the restaurants doing the same thing. They had them for a number of years, but uh, so, you, um, but it became so cartoony that I kind of didn't tune in too much or not as much. But then as my own two sons became about seven, eight, nine, ten years old, let's say mid-90s, I tell you what, when Goldberg came out, Goldberg yeah. got my attention. Bill Goldberg got my attention. I knew him from the University of Tulsa, being a football player, the Atlanta Falcons, being a football player. And of course, Bill Watts, back in the day, was all about bringing in football players if he could, and he had a bunch of them, a lot of them, you know, so American football, obviously. No, so, sorry, you say football. I, 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 do you know what? I, I, not to divert off this, I used to re- watch a lot of NFL on Sunday evenings, but unfortunately for us, it's um, because of the time difference. It's late on a Sunday evening, but it's quite an unsociable time, especially if I'm watching soccer all weekend or wrestling. So it's difficult to let to, to get the wife to allow me to watch any more sport of a weekend. But yeah, I, I went to a few of the Wembley games. I unfortunately my parents bought me a New York Jets shirt when I was about six years old, and um, sure. that I've not been too successful following them over the years with zero Super Bowls right. in my lifetime. Right. But yeah, I used to love it. I, I love all of the, all of the American sports. It's just, I wish I had more time to watch it, really. Yeah, Cowboy, sorry, Cowboy Bill Watts and Chief Wahoo McDaniels were on the same college football team together yeah. here in Oklahoma. And you got to understand, the University of Oklahoma football is one of the elite, what they call them, elite blue bloods of American football. There's only four or five that has many championships. And so when you're in Oklahoma, that's all. That's a big deal. Yeah. So, you know, when you're bringing in Bill Watts, Chief Walter McDaniels, who still holds some records for the OU football team, you bring in Dr. Death, Steve Williams, that gets your attention to the wrestling sport if you've been such a, a, a football fan. What well, worked again, we started getting Bill Goldberg in and, and some of these guys. That was, you know, I found Goldberg's character very entertaining. Uh, when they had his, you know, he had his run of how many matches in a row? 170, I don't remember. Yeah, something like that. Lost. Yeah. Something like that. You know, that got my attention again. And I've got young boys that are watching it. I'd be careful. There's a period of time with the WWE where it was a little too risque, a little too adult. The storylines were, and you know, a little too uh, X-rated. Yeah. Uh, i tell you what. Uh, you know what you're... If you watch that stuff now, especially, um, I think things have changed a lot, especially in the last probably 10 years around um political correctness sure. and kind of language and what's considered sure. and what's sure. not. And it's even and, and I you know, work and, and everything, everyone's very very aware of you know some of the jokes you might have cracked ten or fifteen years ago you just can't say now. And everything everyone's kind right. of matured and gone on. But some other stuff I, I I went through a period of watching the nineties because I I kind of fell out of WF around ninety six, ninety seven, around when Goldberg was starting WCW. I went right. back and watched those those in some of the ninety eight rules. It's quite unbelievable what they were presenting at eight till ten on a Monday night in the states. It's just, it's just incredible. I, I don't blame you with kids thinking, you know, this is this is a bit too much for me, really. Yeah. Well, I was thinking as a parent, they probably yeah. love, you know. Yeah. But, I, yeah. Uh, that's the thing. Yeah. You know. So, but um, yeah, and I and I do I have seen some, and I do realize it's changing. There's quite a few different, uh, quite a few different ones. They're all on. You know, I've got now on the cable television. I, I know there's. You know, New Japan and Ring of Honor and, and all these, and I just haven't uh, landed on one that you know that uh, I really like. I might again, uh, but again, it, it's like they flooded them. There's so much of it now available. We used to starve for wrestling, and now it's in thunder all the time. 
you that's know. the thing. I think that people think that there's a there's a boom in wrestling because there's uh, you know quite a lot of wrestling available. But I, I don't actually think that is. I think there's a. I think wrestling is is a, is a niche uh, product, and I, but I think there's there's a number of people now that are willing to pay for one or two streaming services. Um, but they don't. They don't. They don't have the numbers for these weeks. I mean, AEW's been renewed for three years, and it barely ever draws a, mil- a million viewers on TV in the states. Which I, I'm somewhat familiar with the, with the you know American television viewing, and a million, not all that much. TNA was doing that every week, pretty much for Impact when it was on Spike TV. Um, but the landscape, the landscape has changed. I tell you what, I'm going to give you one tip for wrestling. See what, see whether this is something for you, and you can find this easy online. So if you can find them. Um, the Kazuchika Okada versus Kenny Omega, four matches. Um, if you can find them online, give them, give them a whirl. Because if you like that, you'll love New Japan. They're all they're all on Daily Motion, YouTube, etc. Um, okay. They, they, there's quite a. Um, I'm not sure what four. Because obviously it's not a trilogy, so it's four. But there's this. They're an incredible story. Those those four. Um, and then yeah, there's, there's there's a few other things. But if you like really hard hitting, fast paced. Omega is a bit more of a flyer, but Kazuchika Okada is is just incredible heavyweight style wrestler, really hard hitting. Yeah, give okay. it a whirl. I think I think you might enjoy it. Okay, I'll I'll certainly take a look at it. I guarantee it. Yeah, I mean that that's New Japan sort of made me sort of fall in love with wrestling again somewhat. But um, tell you what, is it, is it, before we go on to the, the episode, any any other um, bits you sort of want to cover off or particular memories? Actually, there was one question I was going to ask actually as well that we should cover cover off. Was it a big deal in in your area when the, the kind of UWF buyout and everything happened and the promotion sort of, I guess, went away really for, for want of a better expression? Yeah, it went away. You know, Bill Watts tried to compete. I I think I heard a story about Vince wanting to buy him out, you know, and he wanted to do his own thing. And I've heard more than one person say that Bill Watts went. He was actually putting fifty thousand dollars a week of his own money back into it, trying to keep wow. it afloat. You know, yeah, I've heard that story a few times. That gets so, old really quickly. That's a lot of yeah. money. Yeah, uh, it was. So he went Universal. You know, Universal Wrestling Federation, and I like that product too. It was good. Um, but that's about the time where I'm start getting so busy, caught up in life with two two babies and a, a career too much that I didn't get to see as much as I wanted to, and certainly wasn't able to go to matches anymore. But uh, just kind of, I tailed off, and then they tailed off, you know. So then I came back later, and there's just the one, you know. So everybody had been bought out. So uh, I spent the past quite a few years just watching all the different uh, uh, territories. Now that I can find, you know, everything that Memphis did or everything that Mid-Atlantic yeah. did or Portland, Oregon, you know, all these different, uh, uh, enjoying those. Enjoy. I tell you what, here's, here's how bad I missed it. I did not know. I had no idea. That there was a Smoky Mountain Wrestling until about four or five years ago. Oh, really? And I, I know, I know I, there, there's some classic, classic stuff in, the, in those episodes, aren't there? Yeah. I tell you what, when I found that start, it's probably what I feel watching that's probably how you felt when you're watching these these episodes of Mid South. Just I had to watch every one of them in order. Dug it. Said I could. How did I miss this? Well, it just wasn't shown in our area yet, even though the mid '90s, you know. I just wasn't getting it. it just, just, I guarantee you that was never shown in Oklahoma. Had no, no idea. Right. Yeah. I don't really know where it was shown, actually, Smoke, Smoky Mountain, actually. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've got, I've got, I've got, I've, I'm not, I know bits and pieces about Smoky Mountain. Maybe that's, maybe that's a future podcast, I think, right there. But yeah, I don't, I don't know where that, where that would have been, how prevalent that would have been. So I know there were some, I know there were some big stars that were in that. that. And WWF used to lend them some talent quite a lot 
as well, didn't they? Yes, so, they did. They did some, yeah, yeah sure enough. Yeah. 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 Excellent. So we will move on and we're, we're looking at the March 3rd, 1984 episode of Miss Ab Wrestling, which is episode 234 on YouTube. Um, so we get a slightly different opening to start here with a now familiar white Mid-South background. Um, and then after the title sequence, we cut to Boyd Pierce and Cowboy Bill Watts at the desk. Um, I thought Watts was looking a little bit shifty here um, from the off. He was playing with his, with his tie, uh, was playing with his collar and looking down at his notes. Um, I don't know if he was distracted by something in the crowd. Um, Boyd Pierce is wearing a decent, if slightly underwhelming, purple suit. Um, and he runs through what we have in store this week. So we've got the Rock and Roll Express. Um, plus controversial manager Jim Cornette and his Midnight Express, uh, and the fifth week of the TV title tournament with Magnum T.A. versus Crusher Darso. Um, and what says they've been delinquent following um, showing the coal miners' glove match a few weeks ago, where Duggan won, but was attacked after the bell. And what said they promised an update on Hacksaw Jim Duggan, but have not been able to locate him. Do you remember this angle where they, they say that Duggan is missing? I do remember this angle well because... Um... <clears throat> He, he doesn't appear for a while. Yeah, that's good. And I, so I what it was, he was he was being a heel down in Georgia. How interesting. Okay. okay? Yeah. And so when they're about, I remember this well, because when he comes back and he comes into the ring and he's got a two by four, they'd already mentioned, we've heard Dugan's and we've heard he's, uh, we think maybe the injury, you know, they're talking about he got injured and the coal miners, well, he won the match, you know, he won the match, but then they turned on him and they show it. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that, but they, they take the glove to him. And so he's gone. Yeah. Well, he's gone being a heel down in Georgia, but you think he's just being injured. They're, so now they're coming. Now they're saying, and later we hear that uh, Dugan has been around. We hear he's maybe, I can't remember, he said maybe changed his ways or cha- change of philosophy sometimes, Watts would say, you know, when he talked about Maybe he's changed his philosophy. So when he comes back, you think he's going to come back maybe as a bad guy. So, but yeah, I remember that well. Yes, I did. So could you, could you, around this time, could, you could see that George Championship wrestling. You could see Duggan on the show as a, as a bad guy. Yeah, that's yeah, that's when you started realizing they were doing. Uh, yeah, but not always. Not one for for quite a few weeks. There was a, a period of time, and they probably did that on purpose. They probably maybe I want to call it like a non compete clause, but you know, you don't appear anywhere for a month. You know, yeah. uh, something like that. The lines um, were really starting to be blurred between these promotion, between these territories at that time, weren't they? Absolutely. Those things. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Watts goes through the brilliant cardboard bracket for TV title tournament and what's the story over the next couple of weeks. Um, and then he recaps the North American title situation, reaffirming that Magnum TA had been announced as the number one contender, um, but it brought some very surprising results. And he says that Mr. Wrestling 2 has been under some incredible pressure given their problems with the Midnight Express. Um, it then cuts to Jim Ross at ringside, and he says there's been a lot of controversy regarding the title over the last few weeks. He said what they thought would be a historic occasion turned into, turn into a chaotic one, given what happened with Mr. Wrestling 2. This was the contract signing for Magnum TA and Junkyard Dog. Um, so Magnum t- says that he'd like to tell Ross and all the fans now that he's had time to reflect. He says under Mr. Wrestling 2's guidance, he has reached the height of being one half tag team champions. He says he has youth on his side. And that's something that's working against Mr. Wrestling 2. I thought that was an interesting line from Magnum there because you could almost, yeah. that almost foreshadowed Mr. Wrestling 2 not liking that. Yep, remember that well. That was a, a big deal. Uh, but he, he, was, he wasn't insulting, number two. He said, you know, no, he, he wasn't. On his no. side. But he was, he was drawing clear lines between his ability and two's ability. Yeah. Yeah. 
So Magnum says, um, as such, because he's got youth on his side, he feels that he'll get the opportunity again and he would like to give his opportunity to Mr. Wrestle 2. Um, two is great here. Comes out and says, wait a minute, Tia, you don't give me nothing, man. I picked you out of the garbage and made you the man you are today. Um, he then challenges him to get in the ring and he'll prove to him who's number one. Um, TA says he has nothing but respect for him and he says he'll give him the title shot. Two interrupts him with another slap and says he won't give him anything. Um, as a viewer, I, I felt you really want Magnum to fire back here. Um, I thought this is great work from two. What do, so when you were watching this first time, did, were you more, I want these guys to get back together because two such an established good guy rather than I just want Magnum to take his head off here because he's been slapped twice at this point? Absolutely. You were, you were wanting them to work it out. You wanted, yeah. you did not, you, you, you saw them being, you know, uh, the best team ever. And you wanted them to stay. We didn't know. I think maybe one of the reasons why Watson's breaking these guys up because he's got rock and roll express coming in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that makes um, complete sense. Uh, uh, so you, but, but we didn't know that well, how the popular they were going to be, but they were going to be the tag team champions and have, you know, back and forth belts with obviously the men express. So didn't have these guys there, but no, you really thought they'll work it out. You know, the, we want him to fix that. We were, you know, I'm sure some people said, yeah, Magnus, go ahead and tear him apart. But I think the majority of us wanted them to, uh, to, 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 to back down and maybe apologize. You know, we, we, we thought that could have happened. You know? Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not at all the same thing, but it's interesting. In, in AEW at the moment, there's a, um, and they, they, the, the guy that is the kind of Vincent Mann role, Tony Khan there, has said he's, he's, he was a, He's probably a bit too young to have seen Mid-South when it's on, but obviously he's gone back and watched all this promotion, promotion stuff. And they've got a tag team at the moment with Kenny Omega and um, Adam Page, where um, it's looked for a long time that Page's going to turn on Omega, but they're doing so well, and his character's getting so popular okay. that actually yeah. you're sitting there watching going, I just don't want this to happen. I want this to continue for a long time. I guess this right. is probably right. comparable with, with these two. Um, so TA says he's not going to wrestle him. Um, and he's giving them the title shot. And um, two says that TA is gutless. And if he had any guts, he would get in the ring right now so that two could prove he was number one. Um, he then slaps TA again. And then TA slightly squares up to this. Um, but he does retain his composure. And he says, Coach, I'm not going to wrestle you. And that's the last word and walks off. And um, Watson comes out and pleads for two. He says, This kid you've taken on is right where you want him to be. And he should be happy. Instead, he's slapping him on TV and embarrassing him. And um, Watson says he's not walking away because he's afraid. He's walking away because he has a quality that's going out of fashion in the country. He's loyal. Big cheers for this. And um, Watts says he thinks he can beat two, um, and he's walking away so he doesn't have to embarrass him. I thought that I thought Watts was fantastic here, but I thought that was a bit bit much. But I guess that's where the direction's going. Um, and two says that um, he should get him in the ring now, and he'll finish him. That's TA, and that he can take any man. And Boyd's cut, Watts cuts to Boyd, and then a commercial. I just thought this whole thing from Sartre was fantastic. I was sitting on the edge of my seat, ready for Magnum to explode on two. And what? And this is um, probably what's been great overall. But this, I thought Watts was fantastic here. What, what did you think overall of this segment? Oh yeah, this and like I said, this is some of the things that stood out most over 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 all the decades when I think back on wrestling. And I didn't have, you know, internet or YouTube. Maybe just reminiscing some some friends. I, I have one younger friend that we would we would talk about these very angles. His name's Scott. He uh, Scott has uh, a couple of podcasts now. And interesting enough, about a year ago, uh, he he does a 
a podcast called Better Than Fiction, him and a couple other hosts, and they, they talk about pop culture. And sometimes they talk about old stuff. And I approached them about maybe doing a 20-minute segment on wrestling, you know. Okay, but, yeah. Yeah, but we talked about some of this very stuff, or maybe it's another friend of mine. This angle here was as big as it got. Uh, you know, the, the previous weeks leading up, the training, the show, the, I'll never forget. I, I remember it all my life. That, bag that's of like, TH, yeah, hit, sorry, hitting the bag of rice or the bag yes. of beans, whatever it was, and yeah. it wouldn't break. And then... And I meant to ask Jim Ross when I saw him at a book signing one time. How did how did uh, how did y'all make that work? How did you know uh, to break that bag? Obviously it's pre-cut or something, you know, because I've run into Jim Ross a few times at football games and oh, stuff. Right, yeah. I see Ross around. Uh, so, but that that angle there that you're talking about was as powerful and as big as any that I ever lived through. Uh, that and just you know a couple others were up there with it. But uh, I thought. Yeah, Watts did a he did his job real good there too. They all three of them were were excellent at, at playing that part. I just thought I've seen bits and pieces of Magnum Magnum yeah, I just thought he was so good, and I I said on an earlier show that he was younger than the Ultimate Warrior, and you do wonder what would have happened to him if he hadn't have had his accident. I think in '86 because he had the look, he had the promos, he was so good in ring, he had the size. He had everything, and you just wonder: Is this guy going to be, you know, perennial babyface champion in the NWA, or is he going to be the chosen one? Because I think he was twenty-five, something like that, in in the in, the, in this segment. Oh, so yeah, when very... nineteen ninety comes along and Hogan loses the title, you think, "Crikey, what a much better champion Magnum could have been than the Ultimate Warrior turnout turn out to be." I mean, it's just it's so sad that he only had a couple of years left at this point. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, first match of the show is Joe Savoldi and John King versus the Midnight Express. And Jim Cornette takes the microphone and asks who Buffalo Bill Watts thinks he is, criticizing people out there, and that him and his Express have proven that Magnum T.A. is a coward. Um, and again, amusingly, he reiterates that if someone got in his face, he would slap them silly. Um, Cornette introduces the bodies that women love, men fear, the Midnight Express. Um, their non-matching robes bug me a little bit, because I think tag team should should try and match match up sure yeah exactly um, Mr. Wesley 2 is at ringside and he calls out Joseph Aldi and sends him back to the dressing room he tells uh, this I thought this was a nice touch he tells the commentator that he's bought Savoldi's contract for this match you know, those, so, I, when I watched that again this week it reminded me Bill Watts' promotion went to more lengths than most to maintain that it was a legitimate business yes and 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 there's now I know all promotions all have a, a contract signing in the ring for the big you know, the big match of a contract signing. But two just can't walk in. It's not real. If two just walks in the ring and says, you get out, I'm wrestling, that's not a match that we, you know, matchmaker, you know, we didn't know the term booker, and they didn't use booker. Um, but when he turns and says, I bought his contract, and then Bill Watts makes you sure you heard that, that just shows you the links that they all get together and so say, we're going to maintain this kayfabe. It's yeah. a legitimate business. You know, you just can't get in there. These guys are getting paid for the winners get paid one amount, the losers get paid another amount. Says so in their contract. So and that's what it should be like. I mean, that, that that again, I'm that's what WWE is so bad at because they don't, they just don't think that wrestling fans are intelligent enough to notice stuff like this. And it's just, but it's just it, like if if you had a 15 year old telling a story, they would they would make sure that things were explained. And obviously they do a great job of that in, in Mid South Wrestling to, to the nth degree. And that I thought it was such a such a nice touch. 
Um, and they're really pushing that Mr. Wrestling 2 has kind of lost the plot a little bit here in terms of, you know, what's he doing? Why is he out there thinking he can beat everyone? So he it's almost, with, it's almost like he forgot. He walked to the ring. I think he probably was supposed to stop at the desk and say, hey, I bought Savolta's contract. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. And they just carried on because it, it worked. I, that, that, that probably makes sense, actually. I also think that... <coughs> Who's the Savoldi of the two jobbers? Savoldi was the better known and 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 better uh, better wrestler. Yeah, because he had a famous father, didn't he, Joe Yes. Yeah. So I think uh, I think they paired him with the other guy. You might not ever see him again, you know. So he could. Well, for sure, he's going to lose. That guy's going to lose, you know. So, uh, but you know, they went when I rewatched this. When you asked me to watch it, that moment right there is like that is classic. Bill Watts saying you maintain this as a real sport and it's legitimate. Yeah. And you don't absolutely. ever do anything to make it look otherwise. Yeah. So two starts quickly hitting several fast moves from both the Express before he tags out. Um, and then the Express get on top of King when he's tagged in. Um, I noticed that the midnight, and I haven't seen them do this before, but they hit, they hit the heart attacks, the heart foundation's finishing move on King, which is some, I don't know whether Brett and Jim Nightheart are tanked together in Stampede at this point. Um, obviously, this is this is before the WRF uh, Heart Foundation because Jim Nelt Hart's in Mid-South. Um, so King's in trouble now, and Eaton gives King to Conjury in a suplex position on the ropes, um, and then he gets hit with a huge power slam for the win in 150. And um, Two comes in then and eventually gets clocked with Connect's tennis racket. And the beatdown continues, and eventually Magnum makes it out for the save and hits a beautiful belly-to-belly on Conjury. And Darcy then attacks Magnum and slams his head into the steel ring post. And Two is still down and gets another shot with the tennis racket. And Terry Taylor and a couple of wrestlers hit the ring to make the save before they hit to break. Um, so what, what were your thoughts on this this short match and sort of continuing presentation of Mr. Wrestling 2 here? Well, I remember thinking, this is making 2 look bad. You know, he went out there to show that he could win with anybody, and he didn't. He's made a mistake. There's something wrong with 2 thinking. Maybe he's gotten too old. Maybe, you know, maybe this sport's passed him by. Um, you know, if yeah. he was who he said, he was saying the point was he could win with anybody. And then he didn't. Yeah, and then he didn't, exactly. And that's what bad guys are supposed to do, aren't they? They're supposed to, a baby face is supposed to say, I'm going to do something and do it. And a heel is supposed to not do it. And I think that's, you know, and that, that just adds to his, you know, the, his character's sort of confusion and frustration with the situation that he's found himself in. Um, so next up is due to be Magnum TA versus Crusher Darso in the TV title tournament. However, given what has just happened, what's questions whether TA will be able to make the match? Um, this next segment is really interesting. So this is what we were talking about earlier on around um, different territories um, and the use of tape. So um, what says that last week in Houston, which I'm, Houston, I guess, is not Mid-South, is it? Or, or correct me. If no, I'm no, wrong. no, no. That's Paul Bosch. That's Paul completely Bosch, different. Yeah, yeah. Paul Bosch. And uh, we would see that occasionally again. Uh, Paul Bosch and Bill Watts and Leroy McGurk and Fritz Von Erich, uh, they were all tight, talked together all the time and would share talent. Yeah. Uh, I would occasionally see some video from Houston, but not very often. Sometimes watching world class, you would see, now see Gino Hernandez came out of there. Are, hey, Stephen, there are people who think legitimately that Gino Hernandez was the son of Paul Bosch. Yeah, I've heard this. Um, Bruce Pritchard talks about this a lot, doesn't he? Because apparently um, uh, there's a picture of Gino in Paul Bosch's... Uh, I don't know if it was a picture of Gino, but it was a picture of someone that looked a lot like Gino, I think is the story, in Paul Bosch's Probably. office. Sure, um, yeah, something. Gino yeah, yeah. passed away, yeah. 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 
I'm but there's a why did why did, why did Paul Bosch push Gino so hard? Yeah. You know, there's a lot more to it than than just that. But yeah. But anyway, uh, I saw very little of Houston. But again, it just added to the mystique of hey, this is a big this this NWA this is a big stinking deal. They're all over. WWF is just in New York City. Yeah. Saying. But 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 NWA is worldwide because they talk about going Australia and Japan. So yeah, and this, they did go there. What what was the Houston promotion? Called? I can't it's completely escape me. What was that? What was that actually called? Uh, Houston. Was it uh, was it Southwest yeah, Championship Wrestling? Yeah, yeah. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Um. So in this clip, um, Volkov says that he's changed Darcy's name to Khrushchev because Khrushchev was one of the best Soviet presidents. Um, <laughs> he also sp- <laughs> he also presents him with a spade so he can bury American wrestlers. Um, they then salute and Nikolai sings what he's purporting to be the Soviet anthem. So you've probably heard this. I've got I had a theory for a few weeks that Nikolai Volkov is just making up this anthem as he goes along. Um, well, as I, as I listen and I listen to talk about that, he's obviously not enunciating any words. It's barely yeah. more than a hum. And I think maybe he kind of knows the tune. And so he's I think he's using nonsense words. Um. Now, I've heard stories about him that even like later on in world class, like when they would start traveling and it would be just the boys in the plane or just the boys in the car, he wouldn't break character. Really? He'd continue to talk with that voice and they'd say, hey, we get it. We know, you know, we know who you are. But yeah, I don't think he, uh, of course, what was he, Croatian or Yugoslavian or something uh, like that? Yeah, I can't. It, we, yeah, I, I can't. Former remember. Yugoslavia is Croatia, but formerly Yugoslavia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, because I, I actually I actually decided this week thanks to how Google to actually search the tune for Soviet national anthem and what he thinks this what this is saying later in the WF is is the well or is was the their anthem. So I think he is just making making this up. And Vince might have said, you know, I think that may, the lacking attention to other places. But I think he might have said to him, um, you know, you've got to do the real deal here. And um, after this, there's a really great moment. Volkov and Darso share a hug. Um, and Darso brilliantly says to Nikolai that his singing is beautiful. I've been really impressed with Darso, um, or become, becomes Khrushchev. I think he looks great in ring. He looks big as well. I remember, obviously, he was a big guy in de- demolition in the future, but I've been really impressed with him. What are your memories of uh, Darso slash Khrushchev from around this time? Well, that's an important angle. Do you have any idea what the political climate was in America with Russia? Yeah, I know this was, you know, height of the cold war wasn't it yeah they'll call it the height of the cold war i'm telling you there are people who thought russia's got their finger on the button they're going to bomb us any wow um that's what you'll see in later episodes when they really start waving all these usa flags and stuff um people start chanting usa usa this has got a lot to do of course in 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 1980 it kind of started when the u.s hockey team who probably shouldn't have got fifth place from the olympics uh, beat uh, the Russian hockey team to go on to the championship and won it. And so there were things born out of that, but the Cold War was a very scary time for a young yeah. person. You know, uh, this was as big as when they talk about climate change now or global warming or uh, the Russians were coming to get us. And we believe that. And and when President Reagan, you know, told uh, you know, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall, you know, uh, communism was the big evil of the world. And so and they always did this in wrestling over the years. You can look, you know, 
the heel would be whoever we were at will with, you know. Uh, Iron Sheik uh, had a lot of popularity because of what happened with the Iranian hostages in, yeah. you know, back then and all that kind of thing. So you legitimately hated these guys, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. This was yeah. bad. This was worse than just some American heel, some American bad guy. This was, and when they tell us he's using his money to buy war bonds to send, you know, in Russia. So we, we got to get somebody to beat this guy. So when Terry K, Taylor comes out and beats this guy at one point, you know, this that's as big as it gets. So I remember that storyline well, but to answer your question, uh, that was a, a very tense time in American, uh, I don't want to say political time, but just in, in the atmosphere of what's yeah. going so on So I in guess the world. actually that you, now it's probably looking at this in, in a kind of an entirely different lens, but at the time, it, was it a bit... All oh, this is, I'm not sure awkward's the right word, but this is a bit tense. This is a bit, you know, a bit much, maybe, perhaps at the time, just to, just to, just feels a bit odd and a bit wrong, maybe. I'm trying to remember if we ever felt at the time that it was a bit much. Um, I don't think so. And of course, now looking at it now, you're like, wow, how did Bill Watts get away with some of the things he said? You know. Yeah, but I think I think it's different, isn't it? I think this probably had for for the rights and the wrongs of doing this sort of angle in wrestling. Actually, if you watch, uh, you know, twenty four is a good example from what 10, 10, 15 years ago. Um, that they play they play up everyone's sort of concerns around terrorism, etc. And it's it's not it's not a wrestling trope for this sort of thing to happen. It's it's a uh, you know it's all over the place. But I, I do think that this got the right sort of heat whereas the sergeant slaughter stuff um six years later in the wf six seven years later they didn't and it actually turned a lot of people off but it's i think really this you was know, what now that you mentioned it yeah i think you're right on that yeah um so where are we so uh so yeah what's uh what's the problem that khrushchev is in the ring and if magnum doesn't turn up there will be a forfeit so before any instructions are made tay hits the ring with a bandage around his head and they go at it and um, what says that this is a mark of Tia's courage that he's out there battling after being viciously run into the ring post. Um, and then we see Mr. Wrestling 2 again. He makes his way out as Crusher gets TA in his backbreaker submission. Um, two calls the referee over and they remonstrate. And just after T reverses the hole with a great looking sort of flip um, and ends up in a, in a top position with a pin. And T throws two throws the towel in and um, with the referee facing away from the action. Um, I thought Tia was great here. He looks dumbfounded, holds his head in his hands. Um, and he makes his way out of the ring as they cut to break. So this is just continuing the the angle between the two. What, what did you think of this? What a this what a, what a, what a great angle! How you know it didn't look uh, it didn't look rehearsed or choreographed. But when the ref turned his back right as Magnum got out of that finisher, nobody ever got out of that finisher. Um, and then two throws the towel in. Of course, we had never seen an angle. Uh, I don't think we'd. I knew about Arnold Scullin throwing the somebody when one time when Backlund lost the yeah, Backlund lost somebody threw it. about two months earlier, but I guess there would have been New York wrestling wouldn't have been wouldn't have been Oklahoma, so I guess that wouldn't have been a yeah never would have known didn't know that didn't know that till till years later you know so um, this was something new this is something fresh and and man you just at this point you really everybody started to turn on two here yeah. that was that was the worst. So was that, was that the breaking point? Because I felt watching this that we, t- we were sort of teetering a little bit here in that the full turn 
I, I guess with wrestling storylines and, and storylines in general, um, you get to a peak, and I, I, I feel like we're teetering right on that peak, and it's almost like something's got to happen. Either two's got to pull away a little bit now and, and start being a little bit more reasonable and then and then go back, and that may well happen. I don't, I don't know what happens. But TA has got every reason not to stick with him at this point, I, I felt. What, what did you think, sort of looking, looking back on this at the time? Was this time to pull the trigger on the full full split? Yeah, this was this throwing the towel in and causing him to lose to the Russian who was fixing the beat was far worse than the two um, face slaps. Yeah, uh, it was far worse. This was yeah, that was the last draw. Yeah. Um, it's interesting not to, not to go off on a diversion re towels, but there's um, there's a guy called Will Ospreay who's done really well in New Japan. He's a British guy that I've been seeing wrestling in London for probably five or six years. He's quite a big star now, and he. Recently won the British heavyweight title um, uh, about I found about fifteen hundred people in London, but he, he never won it before, and he was he was wrestling against a real submission style guy. And in his corner that night for the main event, he had one of his old co- a couple of his old coaches, and one of them had a towel in his hand. And I'm just sitting there looking at, it, I'm just like, well, he's going to get a quarter submission, and then they're going to get out of this and finish because of the towel. It didn't happen in the end, but little I'm sure that was there for that reason, and just little details like that I absolutely love. And I thought this was really good use of. This was, you know, we want we want um, TA out of this tournament. We want Khrushchev to go through. Um, that was a really creative way to get the get it done, get it done short, and, and get it done without without you know without harming TA at all. Um, and Khrushchev stayed strong basically. So I thought I thought it was really really good. Um, so after this, two uh, storms off and watch uh, switches gears um, and runs through various matches that wrestlers have made famous, and they recap football helmet match between Hacksaw Butch Reed and Jimmy Amber Nightheart. And they cut to a clip from Houston of the match. So with it, so if it's in Houston, I presume that was not under the auspices of Mid-South Wrestling. And that was in... Well, you know, I'm, I was confused on that. They may have been, they may have been, uh, again, just sharing talent. Um, uh, so I'm confused on that. But I mean, I remember yeah. the angle. We loved it. We didn't care who, uh, what, I'll never, all my life I remember what's comparing them breaking up as, as a as a divorce you know it's a bad yes it could yeah. be worse than people divorcing in, in marriage and i'll never forget that and that made an impression on me uh, but then when they got down to the match i don't think we really cared who won we just wanted to uh see a a, a good brutal match them uh, beat the heck out of each other did, did you think, because um, I, 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 I got the impression a few weeks before this that they were looking, they, they hadn't decided, and perhaps I'm way off the mark on this, but I felt they hadn't decided um, who they were going to push as the, as the good guy and who they were going to push as the bad guy. And, this, and actually, uh, on commentary, um, Bill Watts has been pretty positive about Butch Reed. And then all of a sudden, I think, the, for whatever reason, the, the line was drawn in the directions that, that were, were put in place. But it felt for a little while that it might be the other way around. Because actually, the angle they split up, I know Reed did slightly attack him from behind, but I think Anvil probably did enough to warrant it. So, did, 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 did you get that impression at all? Did you think it was always going to be Reed was going the heel route on this? You know, at the time, I don't remember what we thought was going to happen at the time. I don't. I think they would have had a, a difficult time turning either one of them babyface, mm. really. But I think if they could have, I think, I think people might have liked. Uh, Butch Reed better. Uh, yeah, Reed seemed like a really good athlete and, and a lot of charisma. Um, yeah. and, and actually, some some of these moves with this with this helmet were, were quite incredible. In this. So he he hits um, 
Anvil basically gets the helmet, puts it on, and then charges it really, retaliates with some powder from his tights. Um, and then he then gets the hel helmet and smashes Nightheart with a headbutt off the top rope. And Nightheart is busted wide open here. Um, I think it's interesting. They were they showed blood actually a few times on this on this show. Um, yes. What sort yeah. of time of day would this have been on um, on TV? Sort of first airing. Was it was it a morning show back then? Well, um, it it probably would have been a Saturday morning episode. But then I told you they did start showing stuff late on Saturday night. Mm. It might have been late night. Um, okay. In 10 p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time, maybe something like that. But uh, it did seem quite um, brutal for the time because Reed just kept going. You know, he just kept taking it to him. Yeah, you think he was leaving and we'd come back. Uh -huh. So he continues beating down Nightheart with the helmet and tosses a referee over the top rope. Um, eventually, Terry Taylor makes a save. And Watt says that um, Taylor and Nightheart have never had any issues before. Um, and, and basically, Taylor made the save because he had some compassion in his heart. Um, but ultimately, Taylor ends up being attacked by Reed himself. And he takes a big headbutt off the top rope as well, and he's busted wide open too. And um, what do you think of this this one from Houston here? So this tells me right there what you just said. When when Taylor comes in to save Nightheart, that tells me right there they plan on Nightheart being the babyface. Yeah. Because they, I'm telling you, Terry Taylor was more popular than Magnum TA. Really? Wow, that's really interesting. So you've seen that firsthand at, back back then. I was going to uh, mention that earlier, the and they were pushing, yeah. uh, they were pushing Magnum. I can see it now where he, where he got the push, but I think most people responded to Taylor's uh, talk and work on the mic even better than Magnum's. And Magnum's okay; he's not bad. There, I've seen some bad wrestlers, Magnum, you know, that couldn't talk on the mic. Magnum's not one of them. I think Terry Taylor had more sex appeal with the ladies than even Magnum. Now, I guarantee you, they both had a lot. Huh, and yes. I, I saw it firsthand. They both had plenty. But I think Taylor coming in later was something new, something fresh, and a little bit more energy, and a less less of the cheesy machoism. Um, sometimes we felt like Magnum T.A., trying to look like Magnum P.I. The See, TV, that's or, where I don't... Okay, so that's really interesting, because I, I just don't get that. That's a bit before my time. So perhaps if I had that in mind, and he, and he was, in my mind, more kind of a slightly cheesy rip-off of some other, you know, an, an actor. Or it was more of a... a yeah. We felt like there's a little bit of cheesy rip-off there. Yeah. 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 Okay. But, that makes uh, but, but Terry Taylor had the look and the feel of just a good, the real good all-American suntan blonde athletic kid, you know, uh, that's just really good at what he does. So I'm telling you, in my perspective, at that moment, Terry Taylor is bigger than Magnum T.A., but it, it's perspective, it doesn't matter. But the reason why they had either Magnum or Terry or whoever saved Nightheart is they're using one of their top, baby faces to save a guy obviously we're going to like that guy and not like book tree yeah no, absolutely um so up next we have taking match with hacksaw butch reed and buddy landell versus jason walker and mike jackson and um, what says it's not it's not usually their policy to show matches as rough as that with the football helmet but they feel it's the right thing to do to make people aware of these matches so they can make informed choices when they come to arenas but again another great bill watts isn't there in terms of you know 
we don't, you know, it's, it's not the usual thing for us to show a lot of blood, which they don't do. But actually, you know, if you're going to buy a ticket to us, I think you should be aware of what you're going to potentially get, which I think I think was good. Um, so we have a short showcase match here with Landell winning with a big Also, to speak to that just a second. I know I'm yeah, taking too much your time here. When Watch says that, back then you feel like he's warning you, you know, you may not want to bring your kids and see this bloody match. Actually, that's a bit of showmanship he's selling. Come watch, you'll get to see this. I yeah. mean, what was the what was the, the were there a lot of kids at these these Miss House shows around this sort of time, or what, what was the usual? Oh Lord, yes. Oh yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. All ages, equally divided, all ages. But if you look at that Irishman Manila Boys Club, look at that audience. There's a lot of teenagers and young kids there. You can get yeah. close up. But no, at the when the arenas are full, when the myriad's full of twenty thousand people, there's ten thousand miners there. I guarantee it. Yeah. yeah. And that and that's a real problem that um, I think AEW are doing a little bit better with the kids, but WWE are, are doing particularly badly with sort of under 18s now. Um, and and you do wonder, given all the choices that people have got out there, I think I think television watching, in a traditional sense, is going to move. I think sports brings people together, sports gets families together to watch things. But actually, if you've got a you know 12 year old son who's into dinosaurs or something, he'll be on YouTube watching something about that, and a daughter that's into whatever. She'll be she'll be on Netflix or something watching that, and I just don't think certainly in the in the UK the big appointment television viewing of like a Saturday evening or something you sit down and watch everything as a family you just don't really get that sort of stuff anymore apart from I think sports is probably the only thing. Um, I think that, so. That yeah. A, yeah, that's a challenge for wrestling in the future as to how they can you know get those kids back in, and and it really probably will need to, needs to be an individual that catches on with people. But I don't I don't see anyone out there at the moment. Um, Right, so back from the break, um, they recapped Taylor and the Rock and Roll Express attacking cruise ship, um, which I thought at the time was a very non-babyface-like segment. But I guess actually thinking about this, given what you said around um, the tensions and the amount of heat, this this went down really well and it's got a cracking reaction from, from the crowd. It's just not a super traditional thing for a group of babyfaces to do, painting um, Khrushchev, obviously, with uh, his front red. Oh, yeah, but, I mean, it, it just made people love Terry Taylor all the more. Yeah, um, exactly. It, it, so, I mean, that's, that's the thing. If it works, it, you know, it works, and it certainly works. So, in ring, we have um, Greg Valentine and Lex Luger look like Jerry Gray uh, versus the man himself, Terry Taylor, um, with Carl Fergus, referee. And um, what says, if you saw Taylor in this, I love this line. What says, if you saw Taylor in business clothes or casual college attire, you'd never know that underneath is the body of a high-class wrestler and a part of a champion. Uh, right. which I thought was just fantastic from, from what's there. Um, so he pushes the Superdome show on the 7th of April. Here's a question for you, actually. So I, there's not a huge amount on the, on the, on the, in the body of these television shows about the arena stuff. So was that typically in the breaks, and that's obviously cut out of these shows, where they're pushing the live events? Yeah, it, wasn't, uh, it didn't seem like they were, if I understand your question... Um, but sometimes, if I recall, when they'd go to a regular commercial break, then they would push a show there. Yeah. Uh, and it would be specific. There'd be a tel- there'd be an actual thirty-second television commercial that's not part of this show, but it'd be specific to your area. What's coming to Oklahoma yeah. City or what's coming to Tulsa or you know. Yeah. That's what's missing here, and I I, th- I thought that so way back when I first like they mentioned mentioned one of the Superdome shows, but they just don't mention them on the body, and I think that's probably it. So they 
will have their commercial. I wish those those were available, but they ha- yes. I guess they have their commercial. But it, you know, if you watch there, Georgia, yeah. when you watch Georgia Championship Wrestling videos from back then, you'll see right before they go to commercial, they would show you. You'd hear Freddie talking over, here's the matches. We're going to be in uh, uh, this town this time. You know, these wrestlers are going to be there. Mm. For uh, Mid-South here, they'd cut away to regular commercial, but then it'd be a city-specific commercial telling you what time. Yeah, Yeah, we don't have that. Complete sense. Um, So we have now... uh, So Sorry, so... uh, what happens here with Terry? I've been, Terry Taylor wins this uh, with a, sorry, Terry Taylor wins with insured of the flying forearm. Um, so obviously we've discussed Taylor already, but clearly things are moving in the right direction for Taylor at this, at this point. Um, did, how, how much longer was he in Mid South after this point? Did he stick around for quite some time? Yeah, a bit. It seemed that he was the big draw for a while, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I believe he was in in the UWF, was he not? Uh, but I think, it, like most of them, they would start traveling. And when they found out they could go to Japan and make so much money, they'd have some reason to be off the air, you know, on our show and go over to Japan for a while or whatever. Yeah. We didn't know. We had no idea, you know. Uh, but uh, Taylor was one of the mainstays. Absolutely. Yeah, I've, I've been really impressed with them so far. So next up, we have Randy Barber and Steve Brinson versus the Rock and Roll Express, who get a great reaction. They come out to their very catchy theme tune. Um, so you must have some great memories of seeing these guys around this time. Absolutely. These guys were so popular. Um, I, re- I mentioned to you that one of my younger friends, Scott, who does the other podcast, he's got, I got a great photograph of them being young teenagers. And for Halloween, they are the Rock and Roll Express. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And it is a awesome picture. And, but I mean, they nailed it. They're the same body type. And I mean, but the Rock and Roll Express was as big as it got. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I just think these guys, and, I, and I'm, I must search out, I really want to see a Rock and Roll Express and Midnight Express match from around this time that's, you know, 15, 20 minutes. So I, I, need, I keep saying I need to find it, but these guys, you could just lift them up and put them anywhere right now with all the, with all the high-class wrestling and athletes, super athletes that you've got, and they just fit right in. Um, Robert Gibson hits a lovely looking slingshot knee drop from the outside, um, and they're just so crisp and fast as they do. Um, what says that if they have time, they will show a slightly different sort of tag team next called the Bruise Brothers. Um, they found in Memphis in a book some match in the Mid-South area. Um, the Express ultimately win with their double drop kick in 148. Um, so then they cut to a patch on the Bruise Brothers. I don't know anything about these guys. So what, what can you tell me about the Bruise Brothers? Well, I believe that's probably the first time I ever saw uh, Pork Chops Cash. Mm. Um, and I'm trying to remember now. I reckon... I, I don't think they were around very long in Mid-South. And then that when they coming from uh, Memphis, wasn't that? I think that's why I didn't know them. I think they were coming from Memphis. Yes, uh, they, said they, they, said, they said they found them in Memphis, yeah. Okay, and so really didn't know much about Jerry the King Lawler at this point, although he'd come through Mid-South some, uh, you know, and Bill Dundee had been a, a, a booker early on for Mid-South. Uh, while wrestling for a fan of this later for, for Memphis. Um, so didn't know much about the Bruce Brothers. I'm thinking they weren't too much of a hit here for very long, maybe a little bit, but it might have been that uh, Mid-South just used them for a little bit. So they, they'd build up people, they'd build them up before they bring them in. Maybe they only planned on being there for 30, 60, 90 days to begin with. Yeah, that and, makes sense. And then compete against uh, a team and then, you know, 
get beat up and, and leave town or, or whatever. So, uh, but they yeah, weren't they weren't a, the major major source of uh, entertainment for us then. No, I was gonna, I'll quickly run through this package. So in the package set to Soul Man by the Blues Brothers. Um, I love these packages, by the way. So I, I just tend to kind of, I, I type as I watch, um, because I think they're really interesting to recap in quite a bit of detail. So the two address up the Blues Brothers, as you expect, given the theme tune. Um, they show them walking across the street with a briefcase, playing pool in a bar. And um, although two balls go in so quickly, they can't win from the same shot. Um, then in ring with what appears to be Terry Taylor, um, then leaving the bar, and they're now playing dice in alleyway. Back in the ring, um, back to the alleyway where they seem to have had some success with the dice. They high-five and take the cash. Now in ring again, now walking back, looking pleased themselves. And um, they throw some papers in the air, and it's back to walking. And um, they're beating up Terry Taylor again. And here is Jimmy Hart making his Mid-South Moments debut, coming out of a car and emptying They're emptying all of the cash out of the briefcase, and they're taking it. They all seem to be pleased themselves. Now they're singing in what appears to be a record shop. They're walking again, a final shot in the ring, and then the two head off. So that's the introduction of Bruce Brothers and what says these two walk to a different type of beat, and they hope to have them on air in the next couple of weeks. Again, an- another really classic 80s video package that Miss South are so good at putting together. Um, so after this, they cut back to the bracket for the TV title tournament. And next week, we have Terry Taylor um, facing what Watts describes as the toughest test of his career against Maso Ito. And um, we also have the in the future know now that it will be JYD versus Prussia Khrushchev. Um, what says from Atlanta next week will have Jake St. Roberts um, and Grizzly Smith wants to show down the expresses, but it's not been signed yet. And um, Boyd thank, thanks the fans, and that's it. So, what did you think of this episode um, of Miss South Wrestling? You know, it's 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 near the the peak of Finzi Fury. I really enjoyed going back and watching it again. As probably the first time I ever saw Jimmy Hart. Uh, really interesting, yeah. Hadn't heard of him before, yeah. Um, and, and, of course, he went on to incredible fame in, in the WWE. Uh, but that would probably have been the first uh, thing he did outside of, of Memphis, maybe. So just a great episode. Really enjoyed it. Um, going to uh, watch the others going forward and continue to listen to your podcast because I'm really enjoying those. And I've enjoyed all oh, your guests. Uh, each one of your guests. Is- yeah, 100%. We're definitely we're, – we're- We've struggled a little bit given the given the time zones to get something uh, get, get something arranged. We'll, de- we'll definitely do this again. I've I've got a question that just popped into my mind. So, I, I, what, given your so knowledge about that about this time period, um, there was an angle with Lanny Poffo a few weeks before this where they were talking about his family um, with Randy Savage, and Randy Savage actually pops up in a video package. Do you know what? Do you know did that just did did Lanny Poffo pop up again? Because he seems to have been really. Um, the focus has been taken off him, and that pushes massively stalled. So, do you do you remember that? And and do you know um, if that starts up again, or, or does Randy Savage make an appearance again in in, in here, or or is that the one? I don't remember. Him? I don't remember seeing Randy Randy again in Mid South. Um, now, Lanny was also in the earlier episodes. Mm. He did some more, and it was uh, even more undercard kind of stuff. So, Lanny. Uh, Lanny Poffo, uh, maybe episodes 120, maybe 121, 122, maybe somewhere around there early on. Um, he had some others. So he was never, I mean, he's always well liked, mm. but he was never, he never got pushed, you know, to no. the top, obviously, in Mid South. Yeah, it's an interesting one because he, he was so ta- so talented in ring, and it looked like he was getting involved in the Magnum TA Mr. Wrestling 2 stuff because he, he, he was basically saying on air, I want to tag with Magnum and Mr. Wrestling 2 is like, well, we, we, we can't trust you because your family's so rotten, basically. Um, but right. then they didn't really go anywhere with it. Um, 
But Phil, I really appreciate your time um, to, to go through this. It's been so enjoyable um, chatting through Mid-South and speaking with someone um, clearly so knowledgeable and passionate about the subject. So we'll definitely have you on in the future. I'm, I'm really looking, really Super. looking forward to it. Thank Super. you so much for the support and listening to the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Stephen. appreciate it. Great to have We'll speak again. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please head over to iTunes where you can subscribe and perhaps you'll even be kind enough to leave me a lovely five-star review, which would absolutely make my day. If you're interested in guest hosting, please contact me via the Mid-South Moments Twitter account, which is at MidMoments. And I look forward to speaking to you all again very, very soon.